It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the scald circle, and listen to the tale of how Peeping Kate was pisky led, as told by Minogin. Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new tales for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release on every other Saturday. Find out where you can hear them on our website at thescaldcircle.com, and be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. Now then, without further ado, this is How Peeping Kate Was Pisky Led. Oh, tis Halloween night, Teddy, my boy. Don't go out on the moor or near the gump, for the piskies and the spriggins are abroad, waiting to mislead stray mortals. Many are the men and women that little people have whisked away on Halloween night, and the poor mortals have never been heard of since. Now sit down, Teddy, my boy, crack these nuts and eat these red apples, and I'll tell you how Peeping Kate was pisky-led. Now, I heard the old folks say how long ago, uh, maybe a hundred years or so, the squire of Pendine had a housekeeper, an elderly dame, called Kate Trigger. Well, one Halloween night, some spices and other small things were wanted for the feast and tide, and Kate would not trust any one of them to go, except for herself. So she put on a red coat and high steeple-crowned hat, and walked to Penn's chance. She bought the goods and started for home. It was a bright, moonlit night, and though no wind was blowing, the leaves of the trees were murmuring with a hollow sound and Kate could hear strange rustlings in the bushes by the side of the road. She had walked a very long time, and her basket was so heavy that she began to feel tired. Her legs bent under her, and she could barely stand up. Just then, she beheld, a little in front of her, a man on horseback, and she could tell by the proud way he sat there that he was gentleman-born. She was very glad to see him, and as he was going slowly, she soon overtook him. And when she came up, his horse stood stock still. Oh, my dear master, said she, how glad I am to see you. Don't you know me? I'm Kate Trigger of Pendine, and I can't tell you how hard I've worked all day. Then she explained to him how she had walked to Penn's chance, and was now so tired that she could not stand up. But the gentleman made no reply. Oh, my dear master, said she, I'm footsore and leg-weary. I've got as far as here, you see, but I can get no farther. Do have pity on a poor unfortunate woman and take her behind you. I can ride well enough on your horse's back without a saddle or pillion. But the gentleman still made no reply. My dear master, she said again, my, but you're a fine-looking man. How uptight you sit on your horse, but why don't you answer me? Are you asleep? One would think you're taking a nap, and your horse, too, is so still. Not having any word in reply to this fine speech, Kate called out as loud as she could, Even if you are a gentleman born, you needn't be so stuck up that you won't speak to a poor body afoot. Yet still he did not speak to her, though Kate thought that she saw him wink at her. 
This vexed her more. The time when the Triggers were among the first in the parish and were buried with the gentry. Wake up and speak to me! She screamed in a rage, and then she took up a stone and threw it at the horse. The stone rolled back to her feet, and the animal did not even whisk its tail. Kate now got nearer and saw that the rider had no hat on, nor was there any hair on his bald head. She touched the horse and felt nothing but a bunch of furzy. She rubbed her eyes and saw at once, to her great astonishment, that it was no gentleman and horse at all, only a smooth stone half buried in a heap of furzy. And there she was, still far away from Pentine, with her heavy basket and her legs so tired that she could barely move. And then she saw that she had come a short distance only, and knew that she must be bewitched. Well, on she went, and seeing the light at her left hand, she thought that it shone from the window of a house where she might rest a while. So she made straight for it across the moor, floundering through bogs and tripping over bunches of furzy. And still the light was always just ahead, and it seemed to move from side to side. Then, suddenly, it went out and she was left standing in a bog. The next minute she found herself among furzy ricks and pigsties in the yard of Farmer Boslow, miles away from Pendine. She opened the door of an old outhouse and entered, hoping to get a few hours' rest. There she lay down on the straw and fell asleep, but she was soon awakened by some young pigs who were rooting around in the straw. This was too much for Kate. So she got up, and as she did so, she heard the noise of a flail, and seeing a glimmer of light in a barn nearby, she crept softly to a little window in the barn and peeped to find out what was going on. At first she could see only two rushwicks burning in two oil lamps. Then, through the dim light, she saw the slash-flash of a flail as it rose and fell and beat the barn floor. She stood on tiptoes and stuck her head in farther, and whom did she see wielding the flail? but a little old man, about three feet high, with hair like a bunch of rushes and ragged clothes. His face was broader than it was long, and he had great owl eyes shaded by heavy eyebrows from which his nose poked like a pig's snout. Kate noticed that his teeth were crooked and jagged, and that at each stroke of the flail he kept moving his thin lips around and around, and thrusting his tongue in and out. His shoulders were broad enough for a man twice his height, and his feet were splayed like a frog's. Well, well, thought Kate, this is luck to see the pisky threshing. For ever since I can remember, I have heard it said that the pisky threshed corn for Farmer Boslow on winter nights, and did other odd jobs for him the year round. But I would not believe it, but there he is. Then she reached her head farther in, and beheld a score of little men helping the pisky. Some of them were lugging down the sheaves and placing them handy for him, and others were carrying away the straw from which the grain had been threshed. Soon a heap of corn was gathered on the floor, as clean as if it had been winnowed. In doing this, the pisky raised such a dust that it set him and some of the little men a-sneezing, and Kate, without stopping to think, called out a, God bless you, little men. Quick as a wink, the lights vanished and a handful of dust was thrown in her eyes, which blinded her so that for a moment she could not see. And then she heard the pisky squeak. I spy thy face, old peeping Kate. I'll serve thee out early and late. 
Kate, when she heard this, felt very uneasy, for she remembered that little people have a great spite against anyone who peeps at them, or pries into their doings. The night being clear, she quickly found her way out of a crooked lane and ran as fast as she could, and never stopped until she reached the gump. There she sat down to rest a while. After that she stood up, and turned whichever way she might, the road was the same before her. Then she knew that the pisky was playing her a trick, so she ran down a hill as fast as she could, not caring in what direction she was going, so long as it would get her away from the pisky. After running a long while, she heard music and saw lights at no great distance. Thinking that she must be near a house, she went over the downs towards the lights, feeling ready for a jig, and stopping now and then to dance around and listen to the strains of music. But instead of arriving at a house and passing around some high rocks, she came out on a broad green meadow encircled by furzy and rocks, and there before her she saw a whole troop of spriggans holding an elfin fair. It was like a feasting day. Scores of little boots were standing in rows and were covered with tiny trinkets such as buckles of silver and gold glistening with Cornish diamonds, pins with jeweled heads, brooches, rings, bracelets, and necklaces of crystal beads, green and red and blue and gold, and many other pretty things that were new to Kate. There were lights in all directions. Lanterns no bigger than foxgloves were hanging in rows, and on the booths, rushlights and tulip cups shone among fairy goodies such that Kate had never dreamed of. Yet with all these lights, there was such a shimmer over everything that she got bewildered and could not see as plainly as she wished. She did not care to disturb the little people until she had looked at all that was doing. So she crept softly behind the booths and watched the spriggans dancing. Hundreds of them, lined hand in hand, went whirling around so fast as to make her dizzy. Small as they were, they were all decked out like little rich folk. The little men in cocked hats and feathers, blue coats gay with lace and gold buttons, breeches and stockings of lighter hue, and tiny shoes with diamond bubbles. Kate could not name the colors of the little ladies' dresses, which were all the hues of summer blossoms. The vain little things had powdered their hair and decked their heads with ribbons, feathers, and flowers. Their shoes were of velvet and satin, and were high-heeled and pointed, and such sparkling black eyes as the little ladies had, and such dimpled cheeks and chins, and they were merry, sprightly, and laughing. All the spriggans were capering and dancing around a pole wreathed with flowers. The pipers standing in the midst played such lively airs that Kate never in all her life had wanted to dance more, but still she kept quite still, for she did not wish the little people to know that she was there. She was determined to pocket some of the pretty things in the booths, and steal softly away with them. She thought how nice a bright pair of diamond buckles would look on her best shoes, and how fine her Sunday cap would be ornamented with a fairy brooch. So she raised her hand and laid it on some buckles, when, oh, oh, she felt a palmful of pins and needles stick into her fingers like red-hot points, and she screamed. Oh, misfortune take you, you bad little spriggins. Then immediately, the lights went out, and she felt hundreds of the little people leap on her back, and a neck, and a head. At the same moment, others tripped up her heels and laid her flat on the ground and rolled her over and over. 
Then she caught sight of the Pisky mounted on a wild-looking colt, his toes stuck in its mane, and he was holding a rush for a whip. And there he sat grinning from ear to ear, urging the Spriggans to torment her with ha 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 and tee-hee-hee-hee, and spread out her arms and squeezed herself tight to the ground so that the Spriggans might not turn her over. And they squeaked and grunted, and over and over she went. And every time that they turned her face down, some of the little fellows jumped on her back and jigged away from head to a toe. She went around to beat them off with a stick, but they pulled it out of her hand and, bouncing across her body, strided it, and bobbed up and down, singing, Seesaw pate, lie down, old peeping Kate. Seesaw pate, here we'll ride early and late. On the back of peeping Kate. And with that, poor Kate, not to be beaten by the Spriggans, tossed back her feet to kick the little fellows away. But they pulled off her shoes and tickled and pricked the soles of her feet until she fell a laughing and a crying by turns. Kate was almost mad with their torment, when by chance she remembered a charm that would drive away all mischievous spirits on Halloween. So she repeated it forwards and backwards, and in a twinkling, all the little Spriggans fled, screeching away, the Pisky galloping after them. Then she got on her feet and looked around. She saw, by the starlight of a clear, frosty morning, that the place to which she had been Pisky-led was a green spot near the gump, where folks said Spriggans held their nightly revels. And although the spot was very small, it had seemed to her like a ten-acre field because of the enchantment. And her hat and her shoes and her basket were gone, and poor Kate, barefoot and bareheaded, had to hobble home as best as she could, and she ended up reaching Pendine Gate, more dead than alive. And that is the story of how Peeping Kate was pisky led. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us to keep these stories alive for future generations to come. Also remember to subscribe to us on your podcast application and leave us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we wouldn't be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening to our story.